When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, welcome, welcome everybody to the Hockey Think Tank podcast brought to you by the HockeyThinkTank.com, a website for all players, parents, and coaches to go to get a little bit of inspiration and a little bit of education regarding the greatest game on the planet. What an episode we have for you guys here today. We are bringing on former NHL tough guy. This conversation was unreal with Zach Ronaldo and Zach hails from Hamilton, Ontario played his hockey growing up there before playing in the OHL. And then he had an unbelievable professional hockey career, played over 500 games, 374 in the NHL. And he amassed over 1000 penalty minutes, which with 758 of them coming in the NHL. So uh, just a remarkable career, obviously played a role. And uh, this was, yeah, this was just a really, really cool conversation. A lot different than ones that we've had in the past. Uh, but before we do get over to Zach, let's bring on the talent of the podcast, Jeffrey. Jehu Levecchio, Vex, what's shaking today, dude? I'm buzzing, dude. I'm absolutely buzzing. I'm not going to lie. I've had a great, we're, we're recording this on Tuesday. I've had a great start to my week. Absolutely great. I got to take uh, one of the college teams that I'm the strength coach for to uh, the first form HQ here in St. Louis. And uh, if you guys are following me on the gram, if you're not, uh, what are you doing at Jeff Levecchio? Blue check mark. What's up? Hot guy tats. Uh You'll see, I, I put the gym on there. Anytime I go in there, it is the most glorious gym you've ever seen in your life. Dude, best gym in the world, hands down. So cool. And then they we took the tour and I, uh, luckily, like I'm with First Forum. I'm an athlete with them. And and so they reached out and we're like, hey, we, you know, we know you coach teams, want to bring some in. And it was right after a weekend that they did not perform very well. Um and I said to coach, like, this is the best time to have them in there because, dude, this company, like, their details are insane. Like, every little detail is everything is perfectly where it's supposed to be. Like, their whole, the, everything that they do is detail oriented in this company, and that's why they are where they are in the in the in the market and growing exponentially. And so, for me to bring a bunch of college kids in uh, and see that was happening in the business world and the real world. And it's stuff that, you know, coaches have been harping on them forever. And after a weekend where they probably didn't have enough details, it was really cool to like, see the light bulb just go on and them talking to each other. Like, Oh my God, did you see that? And did you see what he just did? He just wiped the sink after he washed his hands. So the sink was dry. Like it was so cool to see their brains just get like, melted like yeah man if you do the stuff in the real world you become successful too like and if you want to win more games do it now so that was yesterday and i got to talk to andy frizzella which was cool and then just buzzing today baby frizzella? yeah man he came and gave me a hug i'm not gonna lie came and gave me a hug that was pretty dope yeah Where did there's you not see many him? people he was in the gym so like 
the gym at First Form HQ. Is he a St. Uh, Louis guy? Dude, what? Oh my God. Yeah, he's from St. Louis. Totally oh, talks about it. From the Lou and we're proud, baby. That's what was one of the main reasons I switched to First Form because they're from St. Louis, St. Louis company. What's up? Um, but yeah, we were the only two guys in the gym. And, uh, you know, I hate when people bother me when I'm working out. And I'm sure, like, dude, that guy. <laughs> I mean, I don't even know how he does everything he does for so busy. So I wasn't going to go up and say anything and ruin his workout. And I obviously got, got to be on schedule for mine and take my rest times and not mess around. So, um, but in between a break he came over, I was going to shake his hand. Like he's the only person probably in the world. I get nervous around a little bit, like nobody else. So this guy makes me nervous and I go to shake his hand. He just gives me a big hug. And I started tell, talking about 75 hard and now I'm doing it now is it was really cool. Like, like that guy's a leader through and through. So it was, it was a cool moment for me. I'm still buzzing off it. That's good timing that you're doing 75 hard and you met him. Yeah. 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 I mean, my, my goal is to add more value to that company. I'm starting to go do like a Friday workout there every other Friday or something that I'm trying to do uh, teach the, you know, all the people up there, anyone who wants to come, whether one person shows up or a hundred people show up or 400 people or whatever, I'm going to help them uh, with some athleticism, mobility and core and stuff. So I'm excited to start doing that too. Very, very cool, man. Very, very cool. I, on the other hand, not a great day um, for no. anybody in the college hockey world. Um, that new Josh Siako, uh, just a, a great dude. Absolutely great dude. And he passed away this morning um, and just sudden. And when I saw the note on social media, I, I contacted a few people I know that that knew him pretty well and, and uh, just absolutely shocking and 38 years old. And he was, uh, for those that don't know, he's an assistant coach at Merrimack right now. Um, but he's been in a couple of different places. He coached at Brown. He coached at university of Alaska Anchorage. He coached at Milton Academy out in, uh, in Boston and did a bunch of different hockey stuff and just a really kind of like a hockey lifer. He was a captain at UNH and uh, he's, he's going to be missed, man. And it's just such a, crazy you know everybody grieves in different ways and and it's just been a weird day just perspective you know just perspective that it can all be gone in a freaking second and um so we're gonna miss josh i'm gonna miss seeing him around the ranks um just just a, a really 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 good guy and um yeah man like don't take life for granted because it's uh it's it's fragile can be it's wild man i'm sorry to hear that i saw that on twitter today that's two, 38 38 that's wild yeah yeah for sure so um not not to put things in a in a somber note but you know i think it's important to talk about because um he was he was just a, a really good dude a really good dude we had a lot of really good conversations about hockey um he was a guy that um he really cared about youth hockey like he when when i'm doing hockey think tank stuff and when i was doing it a lot more you know he would call me every once in a while from the road and and just just with like ideas about how to make youth hockey better um, wow. and just, yeah, just, just Very a really, cool. really good dude, man. That's going to be missed, uh, a lot by a lot of people. And so wanted to, you know, just, just, I don't know, commemorate, or I don't know what the right word is, but just bring him up. And for those people who, who didn't know Josh or know about him, look him up. Um, just a great guy. And, and, you know, we very sorry for the Merrimack hockey community and Josh and his family. And, and, uh, just, he's going to be missed, man. He's going to be missed. So, um, yeah, 
yeah, he's going to be missed. And so with that, um, you know, live your life. Again, we talked with Never. Zach on this podcast, you know, one of the things he spoke clearly about a lot of really good stuff, but one of the things that he spoke really, really passionately about was not having any regrets in his career. He gave it everything he had and he didn't have any regrets. And at a time like this, um, yeah, for me and, and a lot of people who knew Josh, that's, that's definitely something that, that comes to the forefront of the mind and the heart is just, you know, live, live your life with no regrets, you know, say what you mean, say what you feel, uh, do what you love. And, uh, and I think Zach really did that. He was, this was a different conversation, I think, than a lot that we've had very raw, um, very honest, uh, very upfront. And, um, he's, he's had quite the journey with the, the role that he played in, in professional hockey. And, um, yeah, this was just a, a really cool conversation with a lot of just like, just rawness, if that makes any sense. Very raw, very intense. It's, uh, it's really cool, man. You know, I, I didn't want to play against this guy for, you know, I, I think I only played against him once, maybe, maybe twice. I don't know, but like, you know, don't love to play against this guy, but you respect the hell out of everything he said, like just giving it everything, like literally like how many people can look back on their career and be like, I made it because I emptied the tank every day. Like I literally did everything possible to maximize what I have to see how far I can go and see, see the heights I can reach. And, uh, you know, I think that's one of the reasons we do this podcast. We're trying to help people find that. And, and, you know, like we're talking about, you never know when it's your last day, you know? So like every day, enjoy it, have fun. I always have fun. Uh, for sure, man, for sure. And, uh, with that, let's head it over to Zach after we say thank you to a few people who helped make this podcast go, I uh, want to thank gel sticks, our title sponsor, go to G E L S T X.com to get a discount on your weighted training sticks by entering the coupon code. Think tank one word. They have hockey sticks, they have golf clubs and they have lacrosse sticks. So a uh, great time to, to help your shot and help your strength. So Jeff talk about cured nutrition and your train heroic fitness stuff. <laughs> the old fitness stuff this guy that's how you know you're really in shape is when you say the words fitness stuff uh yeah i want to thank train heroic josh uh, the founder of the app over there my boy this is the app where i house all of my training programs on pretty happy to say that i have hundreds of players in season both from teams organizations and i have uh just an in-season program that you know for kids or junior players anybody's only playing on the weekends it's a very simple plan it is a plan that will get you stronger throughout the season and at the very least keep your strength that you've gained over the summer and that's the goal is to stay as strong but if you're younger to get stronger in season you just got to do it smarter and that plan will help you. It's like a dollar, 10 cents a day or something. I have uh, quite a few players doing that now, which is really cool. And in that, uh, I'm sending videos, you know, all the time today, I sent like five videos. I said, boys, if you have any questions, nutrition, mindset, you know, visualization, uh, pregame routines, like send them in. And I was sending videos to them all day long with the questions they had. So it was really cool to kind of help guys on a deeper, more personal level that way. I also want to thank Cure Nutrition. That's a CBD company that uh, I am with. Uh, I've been taking it for months and months. Absolutely love it. Our body 
needs CBD to help influence homeostasis. All right. We have CB, we have ECN receptors in our body, endocannabinoid receptors, and we need to feed them cannabidiol. Uh, it will help you feel better. It'll help stress release, sleep better, joints, t- t- tons of different things for tons of different people. But if you have any more questions on that, you can DM me at Jeff Lavecchio with that blue check mark. And my discount code with them is GMBM. Obviously, you could probably try that anywhere, by the way. You never know. You probably got like a, you got probably like a 40, 60 shot. It's going to work. I mean, you know, just, just throw it out there. I don't even care what state you're from. You know, you got to be from St. Louis. But if you are from St. Louis listening, you have a pretty good chance that GMBM is going to save you some money. I don't know if I've ever heard anybody say, you'll have like a 40, 60 chance. <laughs> oh, same you'll have a less than 50. I'd rather flip a coin. I'll have a better chance if I flip a coin than... Hey, you just walk in and say GMBM. You never know. All right. A lot of places. Gumbum. Trying to help my guys. Gumbum. There we yep. go. <laughs> um, also want to thank icehockeysystems.com. This site is unbelievable uh, for all coaching education needs. And we have partnered with them to do an associations tab where you can get this for every coach and parent in your organization. So there's thousands of drills. There's a way to draw them up. Uh, digitally, where you can send this out to all of your players before practice and you can store them in folders so you can have them and share them with all the other coaches in your organization as well. Uh, Just an unbelievable tool to to make yourself better and to make your players better. Also, they have the Hockey Think Tank Parent Survival Guide. So if you do purchase the association's platform, uh, all of your parents will get the Hockey Parent Think Tank Hockey Think Tank Parent Survival Guide. Uh, And uh, this can just help your parents to navigate youth hockey. And uh, it can be confusing, right, Steph? So uh, this is something that can really help. And so um, we appreciate everybody. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for tuning into our podcast. Uh, This was a really, really awesome conversation with, uh, with a great guy. And so without further ado, let's head it on over to Zach Ronaldo. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We are so excited to have on this episode of the podcast. He's up in Hamilton, Ontario, touching a lot of different parts of Ontario with what he's doing now, though. Zach Ronaldo. Zach, how are you doing today? Doing good, guys. How are you guys doing? We are good. We are good. Vax, how are you doing, man? You're like a million toonies right now. <laughs> a million toonies. I don't know what that equals in today's economy. That Maybe that's like eight cents. I don't know, but I feel great. It's it's two million tooties. Oh yeah, what, one million tooties. Two million. I don't know what I even whatever. said. <laughs> um, well, Zach, uh, let's take it way back, man. I mean, you had such an awesome career in this game, and uh, but let's bring it way back to how you fell in love with it. And growing up in Ontario, have to imagine that hockey was either part of your blood or part of something that you did every day growing up. So, uh, what was it that uh, allowed you to fall in love with this great game? Um, two two people influenced me for sure was my father and Eric Lindros. Eric Lindros was a Eric Lindros and my dad are the reason I play 
I played hockey. They're both the reason that I play the style I played. Um, and they're the reason that I fell in love with the game. Yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> what, is, what does that mean? Your dad is one of the reasons. Did, did your dad play? Um, he said he did, but I mean, uh, he said he could have been went to the OHL and stuff like that. He could have went to Oshawa, blah, 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 blah. But, um, Two things with him. I think he got his bell rung too many times. And back then, it was just like, you get knocked out, you puke, you're right back out there. You get knocked out, you puke, you're right back out there. There is no pro, there was no protocol and shit like that. And so number two, I don't think he wanted to move away from home. Uh, so I think those two combinations, um, I think he just kind of packed it in. And that's as far as I heard uh, about his story with hockey. Um, but uh, Eric Lindros, man. Uh, I didn't want, I didn't like watching hockey. Um, I only watched when he was on the ice and as soon as he was off the ice, I went and did kid things. And when shot pucks or whatever, as soon as he was back on the ice, my old man would call me up the stairs. I could run up the stairs, watch his shift. After the shift was done, I go right back downstairs, shoot more pucks. And then it kind of, this whole game, I just, I would just watch his shifts and that was it. I didn't really pay much attention to anybody else. My whole childhood was just Lindros. The the original instat right there. <laughs> Run down, shoot, but come back eight two seconds later. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 yeah rather so, than uh, going no. through algorithms, it was just dad. Hey, he's on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I was playing hockey, so obviously I have a bay out of basement, a couple stairs, up the stairs with the TV. So it was a quick five steps up the stairs, watch a shift, go right back down to the basement, shoot more pucks, up and down the stairs, shooting pucks, watching Linderos. Mom, the meatloaf. <laughs> Lindros is on. Yeah. I can only imagine. Like, did you? So we had a, a basement that we used to go down and play hockey into, and it would get rough every now and again. And knowing you and the style of play that you had when you were a kid, I can imagine you're pretty similar. Did you ever get buddies down there in that little space when you were playing hockey and just have some battle royales, or how did it go? No, I think they were scared. Maybe like they came down once or twice, but after what you know, I I take I took hockey very seriously as a kid. So even if you're playing with me on the street, I'm gonna play how I'm gonna play on the ice. So they come into my my little you know dungeon. It was just a concrete, four concrete walls and a mattress. So you come down there when you want to play two on two or one on one. I'm going all out, and I would think maybe maybe a handful of my buddies came down there once, and then I don't think they ever want to come down there again. That was like my sanctuary too. I didn't really want to have too many people down there that was just for me and myself and for my dad so uh that was where i put my work in and it wasn't really shared to be honest with you but times there were i don't think they liked it because that was hard <laughs> that's awesome man now did that translate to the ice like how how quickly did you realize that like the physicality on the ice was something that you kind of knew was what really got you going and was that just from the start of it or is that something uh, yeah, you kind of developed over time it's just my natural ability. I can, I have the, the, the ability to time. I have the ability to angle. I get under people that are bigger than me. I know how to hit them and how to maneuver their body to where they're, they get off balance. And once I find them off balance, I give them just that extra little push and I send them flying. And that was since I was eight years old, because back then, you know, as soon as you started hockey, you could hit. So, and hockey for me was an outlet. So, you know, I wasn't a kid that liked school and I didn't like to be sitting still all day long. So anytime I was kind of like hooked off that leash, hockey was my outlet where I can just exert all my energy and whatever I was going through that day or, or, you know, 
shit that was going on in my life. The hockey was my outlet and I could be physical and I can score goals and I can get into trouble on the ice and not have to pay, you know, real um, life consequences. I'm all for it. <laughs> Just to sit in the penalty box for a couple of minutes. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Two minutes is nothing compared to you know, five years in jail or something. <laughs> like that. Oh, that's hilarious. I, I think, you know what, something you said there, I think is really, really profound because I feel like we're losing that a lot nowadays. In fact, we've talked about this before, but like having that outlet, as a physical outlet, I think is, is so important because so many kids have so much energy. And a lot of times I feel like nowadays people are like, Oh, they're just high energy. They probably have ADD or ADHD or whatever, you know, I was just about to say that. And so, um, like it's, it's almost like diagnosis rather than like giving them something to do that they really enjoy and love and can focus on and, and really just kind of immerse themselves in, you know? And so I wonder, like, do you feel like, and now you're coaching younger kids. So you're around younger kids and, and going through that experience that you had just being high energy, high energy, high energy, you know, what, what kind of advice would you kind of give people in hockey or parents or something? Maybe if they have a kid that is high energy, um, likes to cause some mischief every once in a while, I have a daughter that's exactly like that too. And, um, very physical, always on the go, high energy, you know? And so what, what would you kind of say to that? Keep going keep going. I mean, if that's the way you express yourself, then that's the way you express yourself. People are always trying to put me in the box. And I, from eight years old, all the way till I'm 32. Now people can keep trying to put me in a box because they want to contain my energy and they want to contain me as a person, as a player. And that only made me more, uh, more reckless. And I found sometimes, so, um, I don't, I don't want to, you know, stop people from being their true selves. And if that's your true self, then you go and do it because if someone tried to tame me at a young age, and if I let them tame me at a young age, I wouldn't be where I am today. And I wouldn't be the person who I am today. So go let your energy out. And, you know, I don't know if you can swear or shit, but fuck them. and that's my <laughs> motto. And, and, you know, it is what it is. You be yourself. You say choose yourself, no matter what people think. And if you're too much for people, then you're with the wrong crowd. And you got to find a different crowd to hang out. You got to find different teammates. You got to find different coaches. And that's my honest opinion on it. I love that. I think that's amazing. And there's nothing greater in life than being around a group of people who just like let you be you. And right. uh, so I'll, I'll ask you this because you played a long time, obviously from youth hockey all the way up through your professional career. You know, can you give us like an example of a coach, like on the positive side, somebody that really, you know, believed in you, somebody that really allowed you to be you, because I can imagine that you probably had a lot of coaches that tried to quote unquote tame you you know, and tried to put you in that box, like you said. Yeah. So is um, is there a specific one that like for the good and what did they do, um, to, to kind of help you live your true life and be your true self? Um, yeah, there's, there's three coaches, three coaches that come to mind, Peter LaViolette, Dale Hunter and Rick Tockett. Um, all three of them, um, did not try and change me. Dale Hunter probably influenced me to keep being myself more than any other coach has my whole life. Um, Rick Tockett, same thing. He, he, even when I thought I should be on a little bit of a leash, he took it off me every single time and never let me be on a leash. Uh, Lavi, Lavi really um, paid attention to who I was as a person. 
And that's what I respected out of all three of them. But um, they just let me be me. They didn't, they didn't, you know, bust my balls about penalties. They didn't, um, they respected me about who I was in the locker room. And at the end of the day, what they all did was just leave me alone. They just left me alone and they let me play in my game and they didn't correct me too too much about my, uh, my recklessness or my rugged, raw energy. It was never too much for them. And they just kind of let me be. And that's how I played my best hockey when coaches just let me be, let me play my game no matter what. Um, and that's when I, I brought out the most in the game and the most in myself is when the coaches just let me be. Is that something that you had to talk to them about and say, hey, guys, I play my best when you just leave me alone? Or is that something that they figured out on their own about you? They figured it out on their own. I'm, I'm a soldier. I'm a yes sir, no sir type of player. Um, so if someone did come across and tell me, you know, X, Y, and Z, I was like, yeah, no problem. I'm gonna do that for you because that's just the type of player I was. So when you left me alone, I'm not thinking I'm just going to go and do whatever I need to do to get the job done. And that's when I was at my best. And I think that for everybody listening, coaches, especially, I think that within that letting a player do what they do, you know, especially at the higher levels talking right now and, and be the person that they truly are. You know, Toph and I have talked about this before a couple of times. And, you know, when I, when I signed my NHL deal with the Bruins, my, my assistant coach in college is probably listening to this. What's up, Brooks? He told me, uh, you know, keep your mouth shut and your ears open. And I, I took it too far. Like I wasn't myself when I was in that organization. Like when, when we were at camp in Boston or like we're around the brats, like other guys I've talked about it before, like Marchi and, and guys like that, like joking around with guys like that. And I was so uncomfortable around them. Like, I just was like, you know, I, I just won't say a word. I won't let them know who I am. And like, when I went to Europe, I did the exact opposite. I was like, all right, however many years I play from now on, like I'm going to be me no matter what. And like, I, I was so much better when I was completely myself. I was so much better. I was so much able, better to connect with my teammates. The coaches were better able to understand me and like who I am, you know? And I, I think that that is so important that, that coaches allow players to be who they are within the structure of the team, obviously not stepping outside too far, not stepping outside and becoming a distraction. But like, like you guys said, when you are your best self and you are, you are your true self, like you are going to be your best self. Right. Right. I agree. Um, and I'm learning that too right now. Like I'm, I have to get to know these kids on a personal level and then I know what kind of person they are. Then I know what kind of player they want to become and what kind of player um, potentially they can be. And I think that's what, that's what Lavi did. Like Lavi invited me and Matt Reed over to his house for dinner one night. And um, that's where I thrive. I thrive in very personal elements, especially with family. Uh, so I kind of really opened myself up in his home with his wife and his kids. And I was like a part of their family. I think Lavi saw that, that, um, that personal side of me. But then you could also get like the killer side of me on the ice too. So having that good, even 50-50 sense of the killer and then the good guy aspect of things, you put that together on the ice, that's a good recipe to have. But it takes a certain type of someone, certain type of coach to take the time to understand who you are off the ice, to understand who you are on the ice. That stuff goes such a long way. I uh, When I was coaching in college – 
we, uh, one of the things that I would do every year, uh, once or twice a year is I would take, I was primarily in charge of the forwards. And so I'd have all the forwards over for dinner. And, uh, it's funny, like I used to do these surveys at the end of the year, just like, Hey, like, what could I have done better? And what did you like? And blah, 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 blah. And one of the things that was always on there was like, when you brought us over for dinner, that was unbelievable. Yeah, man. And it's just such a small thing, you know, but it just like opening up a little bit as a, as a leader, as a coach and, and letting people into your, your personal life so they can get to know like a different side of you can be an incredibly empowering and just a great thing to build that connection between the coach and the player. And so it's funny you say that about Laviolette because yeah, I've heard so many good things about him on that aspect of things and, and uh, yeah, just, just care about people. <laughs> you know? No shit. Like care about people. Like it's, it's, yeah. it's simple, but at the same time, I, I do think it's simple, but not easy. Um, yeah. I shouldn't say simple. It, it's easy, but it's like, it's, I feel like so many people, like I care about people, but that doesn't really matter. The only thing that matters is if that person thinks that you care about them. And the only right. way that that person thinks that you care about is if you do something to, to show them that right. you care about them, right? It's really easy to be like, to be a great person and be like, I care, I care, I care, I care. But until you actually do something to show them, then it, it doesn't, it's kind of for naught. Yeah. Right? A lot of, a lot of pro hockey is surface. And they think that knowing people on a surface level is good enough. For me, it's not. And if you want the best, if you want my heart and soul, you got to get to know me as a person and you'll understand who I am and what I've been through. And then you'll get the best of me. Love that. Absolutely love that. How much, how much team bonding was there on teams you were on in the NHL where you actually got to like know other guys like at, at this level that you're saying? Um. <clears throat> We had different aspects of team bonding, like team bonding, like consisted in different organizations is different. Like my last two, my last year in Calgary, we went to way up in the mountains and we did these crazy, like climbing up these logs and tight walking the rope and like where your guys are holding you and you got to trust your teammates. They're going to they're gonna hold you down and all that stuff. But um, and then obviously you're going off like team dinners and you go to the bar and you go to Philly games, Eagle games and all that. But it's still, it's, it's very surface for me. It was at least, um, but I don't know if I had this wall that I built up cause I was on team here and one year here and one year there. So like, it was really hard for me to get to know these guys just on a one year basis. So, um, I don't know. I think all my, all my friendships that I had built, um, it had to be away from the rink, and then you got to know. Then you got to know what they like and what fav- what their favorite color is, and what their favorite foods are, and what their brothers and sisters are, and what they do, and what their parents do, and where they grew up, and what they do like to do in their spare time and their hobbies, and you know other shit that just is totally away from the game. And that's how you really get to know someone, and that's how you create real trust and real bond, real brotherhood. I love that. I- I've always thought like, I love team bonding stuff, but the quote unquote team bonding that like you just talked about, like I looked at at that as like an out of the rink team activity. I don't really look at that as like, I'm not really bond, like some of it maybe, but like trust falls into like, like you're not, it's, it's like a, it's like a surface activity and it's fun. And like, maybe it's like, I, I, I trust you to catch me, but like, you know, I don't know what really makes you tick. And like, when you get, 
blasted from behind. Like if I'm closer with the guy, like I'm in there a little bit quicker, you know, or, or, or whatever. And I think that, you know, like Tove said, you know, as a coach, having the players over in small groups, you know, I think any time I did that with coaches, that made me feel a stronger bond with them as a captain on, on almost every team I played on, like getting to know, sitting down with guys and like actually talking to them and, you know, having a beer with them or whatever, and like kind of letting the wall down. I think that was really important. And like you're saying now you're coaching kids and you got to know what buttons to push with each kid. Like you said, you want to know who they are as a person, what makes them tick, what their goals are, because, you know, one kid's goals might be, be the best player on the team. And another kid's goals might be like, I'm just having fun playing hockey. And so you're going to treat those people differently. It doesn't mean that the kid who's not, his goals aren't to be the, to play in the NHL. Like that's okay. You're probably still a good person. You can be a good kid, but I'm going to treat you differently than the guy who's like, I want to do something with hockey. You know? That's right. And I think for me too, I think there was a huge, there is and forever will be uh, a stigma behind who I am because of the way I play on the ice. So every year that I went to a different team, I felt that I had to really show who I was personally because everyone thought I was probably this asshole, arrogant, you know, you guy and so every locker room I had to go I had really had to like be open to everybody and I had to really be nice and really go that extra mile to make sure that my teammates didn't think I was who this or what this picture was painted by in the media through my suspensions and all the shit that's come along with me being this hard-nosed hockey player so um that that part was really annoying too that I actually had to like show people that I was a good guy that really bothered me. <laughs> so take me into a locker room like that when you're coming in there. Like, is there someone in your career? I, I kind of asked a similar one earlier about coaches, but was there someone that was like a captain of a team or maybe not even the captain, but somebody that was just really welcoming for you? Um, so I'm I'm a director of hockey ops at the University of Michigan right now. And I've been blown away with like our seniors and, and our leaders because they've welcomed the freshmen and they've been unbelievable. Like the freshmen all kind of feel like they're at home and stuff. Is there an example that you have? You know, you mentioned how it was difficult because of the way that you played and this persona that you had um, that people probably got the wrong idea of you. But was there somebody that, welcomed you in was there somebody that went the other way and really kind of put an arm around you and did get to know you um and and what did that look like um (laughs) uh yes and no um yes and no i think there might have been so many different situations but when i'm in my career i'm not thinking like that to be honest with you i'm not i wasn't thinking like oh this guy's a really good guy he really wants to bring me in. Sometimes I didn't know what they were doing because I was so, I had that, I had that wall put up sometimes. But um, when I was first drafted to Philly, uh, me and Drew, uh, we lived together. Like he had this condo he was renting out and I didn't know the guy, I didn't know who he was because I don't really, I didn't really pay attention to hockey. I just did me, whatever happens outside of me, I didn't care about. So G invites me over to live with him in camp. We really hit it off. We're having good times before before camp, blah, 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 blah. Um, me and him, he really took me in um, because he knew me as a person before he knew me who I was on the ice. And G really, really showed me the ropes on how to be, uh, number one, how to be a flyer. Number two, how to be a professional. 
And uh, number three, how to carry yourself at the rink. So I want to say G was probably the guy that really embraced me and took me in literally into his home and, and, you know, helped me put food on the table when, when I was in camp, but I had no idea what the hell was going on. I was just this kid ready to go to war every single day. And, and he really uh, took me in with open arms without even really knowing me. We just kind of just hit it off. And so I want to say G G number one, um, four check was number two. Um, and there's, there's, I play with so many different teams. There's so many different guys, but G, uh, really stands out in my mind because it was the first impression in my first camp. So, uh, I want to say G made a really big impact on me for getting to know me as a person. That's awesome, man. I love hearing stories like that. I think we all can look back at our careers and and find that person or two that that really just kind of showed us the ropes and mm-hmm. at, at all different levels. And let's talk a little bit about you heading into to play pro hockey because you, you came from the OHL and you ha- had a role. Uh, Six hundred and forty four penalty minutes in in the Ontario Hockey League. That's got to be close to some kind of record. <laughs> how many games? I, um, how many games did I play? Uh, let's see. I have it up here. You had 185 games and 644 pims. I got so, a record. <laughs> I took off my skate and tried to stab somebody. <laughs> um, but, you know, you're not the biggest guy either. And so pound for pound, talk about toughness, like absolutely incredible. But like, what, what was your mindset going into to pro camp after the role that you played in the Ontario hockey league going in, probably knowing what you needed to do to, to make a team in, in the NHL and stuff. So what was your mindset going in and, and how did you feel like your transition was to, to getting into pro hockey from the OHL? Um, well, I was drafted to the O in the 14th round. So if I'm a 14th rounder, it's either you got to outscore the first rounder or you got to kill everybody you see. And that's how it was back then. That's like going back 15 years ago. So I knew I wasn't going to outscore, although I did put up numbers. I, was, I scored goals and I, I banged bodies. That's what I did from eight years old all the way to 16. I scored goals and I banged bodies. But I wasn't going to score anywhere close to like 40 goals like they were putting up. So I was cool with, you know, my God-given natural ability. I'm cool with tearing things up and making a mess on the ice. So that's what I did um, throw my whole OHL career. And then when I got drafted, I was ready to die. I was kill or be killed. That was my mindset. Um, I wasn't friends with anybody. I didn't want to be friends with you. I didn't want to be your teammate until I was on the Philadelphia Flyers team. So even if you wanted to be buddy, buddy with me off the ice, I really didn't hang with you. Don't, I, that, that's, that was my mindset. I wasn't going to be friends with anyone until I made the team. And then I was going to embrace the whole team flyer culture. Once I made the team, because I knew every single time I'm on the ice, like I said, it's also going back, you know, 10, 12, 13 years ago. So it was a little different back then culture wise. Um, so my mindset was killer be killed. And that's what it was. Dude. I, I love that. And I, I can't explain how important that is to young players listening. Like I respect that so much because that was a big problem I had personally in my career. Like I'm a, I'm a bigger guy. I'm six, two, you know, two fifteen. twisted steel sex appeal. What's up. And uh pretty yoked, you know, that type of thing. But like I was too, I'm a nice person naturally. And like, 
for me to be successful at, at, in college and pro, it was like, you need to be the first guy in the four check. You got to be a penalty killer. Like I, I told boss that when they signed me, like, like I'm not great at fighting, but like, I will fight. I got no problem fighting. I'm not, not like great at it, you know, but like in my head, like just too nice of a person. And we've had um, sports psychologist on here from Canada who I really like him a lot, Matt Calderoni. And he helps players like kind of create like a, a persona kind of, kind of alter similar ego. to what you're an alter ego, kind of similar yeah. to what you're saying right now, as far Character. as you, yeah, you weren't going to be friends with anybody until you were on the team. Like you were there for, you were there for business, you know? Yeah. And I think that, if more, you know, towards, I don't know if this was recently or if it was like a few years ago, I just saw an interview with Tortorella and he was just like, everybody's talking on the ice, everybody's buddy, buddy. And they're at face-offs. And I used to hate that too, because when somebody would talk to me, like, I mean, dude, don't talk now. It's going to be harder for me to hit you. Like I didn't have that innate ability. And that is something where, even though I only played against you once or twice, like, you know, when you're on the ice and you know, when you're in the lineup and, uh, I respected that so much because it was something that was lacking in my game. And if I had that, I would have been a way, way, way better player at my role. And so it sounds like for you, that was just something innate. That was just, that's your personality. Do you, do you have any advice for guys who are more like me? Because like, I have a guy, I have a guy, a couple guys who are NHL, AHL, they're on the bubble. They're absolute horses. They're absolute animals but they're such nice people off the ice and for them to make it, they need to be way more of you on the ice with that mentality. What yeah. would, what would you say to a guy like that? Um, shit, man. You're I a coach say, now. Let's I hear it. Say, coach. No, I would, I would say a lot um, of different things without trying to hit the wrong button and scare the kid. You know what I mean? Cause I'm, I'm very raw. I'm very, I'm going to tell you what my honest thing is without even thinking. And I'm going to tell you, but I don't want to spook people. So I really got to sometimes I got to think about what I'm about to say. Um, you just got to do it. How about you want it? Someone else is going to do it. It, it just, that's the mindset that you need. To, you're going to be killed or you have to kill. Do you want to eat or do you want to starve? Do you want a roof over your head? Or do you want to live on the streets? How bad do you want it? That's what you have to ask yourself. And if you don't want it that bad, then someone else can come do it for you. Like I did, there was, there must've been, you know, flyers. There must've been 20 guys like me, but I was willing to eat everybody's food. No matter if you were going to protect it or not, I was going to eat your food. I was going to come to the lunchroom. I was going to grill you because I knew I was going to about to go to war against you. I, that was my mindset. And if someone is on the bubble that has to go over the edge, go all the way over the edge instead of tiptoeing around the edge, go over it. If you're thinking about maybe not hurting someone or taking a penalty here, go make a mess because they'll applaud, go applaud you taking a, making a mess than tiptoeing and stuff like that. That's, that's another question I really wanted to ask you since you said you'd come on the pod, because talking about these couple guys that I have, and also like thinking back to myself, like you, you got to get in there and hit. But like, I'd always be worried. Like, I don't want to put my team down. I don't want to get a penalty. And, you know, I'll be talking to these guys and they're, they're either called up to the AHL or they're in NHL camp and they get in a game and they're fourth line guy. And like, they want to go out there and make a big hit and they have that ability or they want to go out there and fight somebody, but they're like, Oh, if I get a penalty and you know, now me looking back, you're in the AHL, 
the NHL team does not care if you take a penalty, but if you go blow, you blow a guy up or blow a couple guys up, you know, you defend your teammate, you fight like kill or be killed. You have that mentality, even if you're taking penalties, like that's what the NHL team wants to see. And it's like, nobody said that to, to me. Nobody said that to us. And I just, if it was, talk to us, you know, I, I think if it was preached to us or told to us, I think that it would have helped a lot. Um, did you ever, it doesn't sound like you did, but I'm guessing there was no holding back. Like if you got a penalty, you were like, whatever. Well, all my penalties, to be honest with you, it was because no one ever seen a kid hit the way I was hitting. So I was blowing up. Shit was going everywhere. I was hurting people. I was, was everything was clean. But the refs had to call the penalty because the hits, these hits were very, very big hits. Like I made a point to catch people with their head down. I knew when you're going to have it down. I knew how you're going to have it down. I saw, you know, a good goal scorer to see the play before it happens. I could see the hit before it happens. So my hits were clean, but just knowing the refs never saw someone hit the way I was hitting. Right. So I was getting penalties and my team was even seeing it too. Zach, don't worry about it. Just keep playing your game. Zach, don't worry about it. Just keep playing your game. So that encouraged me more to keep going because I wasn't in the wrong. The refs were in the wrong to a degree. Um, and that's what it was, to be honest with you. And, and you know, certain times I did take, quote, unquote, dumb penalties. Um, that comes with me. That came with me. I was a part of my baggage. And you picked me up. You clearly there's 600 and some pims in the O. I think I had like 300 and some pims in the, in the A my first year. So you knew what was coming with me. So that's the baggage I come with. It's, it's a risky type of player, but you're going to get a lot of energy. And nine times out of 10, the teams were like, Zach, sometimes you're going to have to take a penalty to fire up the boys. And, and that's, that was a part of my job. You're creating energy, whether you put a man down. Yes, you don't want to, but sometimes I got to go over the line to, to really prove a point to the team, to the team I'm playing against. And to my teammates, like, hey, I'm ready to go. You guys got to pick it up because I just took a penalty. I didn't want to, but this is what it is. Let's go. I say you got to think about it too. Yeah, it's it's funny. Like, as as a coach, sometimes, you know, you tell your team, like, there's a difference between a good penalty and a bad penalty. You know, if, if you get a penalty right. for hitting too hard, you know, maybe you got your elbow up on accident. You know, you're right. just trying to make a hit, whatever. It's like... Uh, nine times out of ten, no, not nine times. Like, let's call it ninety-five times out of a hundred. You're you're killing that penalty off. One hundred percent. You gain momentum from that, and, right? And yeah, that- and the guys are okay, you know, and uh, the guys are they're they're fine with that because you're playing hard and and things like that. It's the, you know, it's the the trips and the lazy sticks and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, like those lazy like, penalties. Yeah, there there is a, such a thing as hockey gods, and I feel like I don't know what the data is on it. Maybe there, maybe somebody's done data on types of penalties and goals scored on them when they're scoring against you. But as a coach or as a player, very rarely did I ever get scored on, or my team ever get scored on with a toughness penalty. Yeah. Most of the time, it was like a you know a mental mistake or a lazy penalty that you're getting. Yeah. I don't know and if you I guys noticed I, that too or what. So true. Yeah, it is. And I knew I couldn't take the lazy penalties because if I'm taking lazy penalties and I'm getting penalties for like roughing and charging and stuff that, and you know what, that's from my foundation. My old man would kill me if I took hooking and holding lazy penalties. 
So that came from like day one. So I'm not a guy who wants to take lazy penalties. I don't put up with lazy penalties. So um, one game in the playoffs, my assistant coach when I was in Philly told me, Zach, you need to hit someone and I don't care if you take a penalty. <laughs> and that's what I did. I, <laughs> you were, you I, looked at him with your eyes all wide. Yeah, you were what? Like, yeah. uh, <laughs> right? Here we go. <laughs> I hammered this guy in front of our bench. The boys loved it, but I got, I got a two minute minor penalty, but I did my job. And you probably killed it off. We did. <laughs> did, did you play other sports growing up at all? No, I tried football. My first practice, I sprained my thumb and I had to miss hockey. So I said, no way. And I played inline. I loved inline roller hockey. I loved that. But it got way too hot because there's no AC in the rinks and stuff like that. And I don't do well with the heat and stuff like that. So, nope. Hockey, man. Hockey all year, 365 days from eight years old to 32 years old. So, you know, he's one of the guys that we always talk about that they shouldn't do. So on, on our show, like we talk about, maybe not there's a right or wrong way, but we say for the most part, we would like kids to get off the ice for a bit in the summer. And if you play other sports, it's going to translate. Listen to you talk about how you saw, you know, hit like that's reading body language and you can do that in other sports when there's no ice in the summer. So that's what I was wondering, but, um, did inline help with your, with your skills? That's something that's really big in St. Louis. You know, yeah. I, did, did you play Patty Maroon when you were? Yeah, I played with Patty, yeah. Yeah, so he's a St. Louis guy, huge roller yeah. hockey player. Yeah. And, you know, Patty's got, like, some of the softest hands ever, and he's massive. And, so, you know, he, yeah, he, he attributes it to, to playing roller hockey. So right. um, is that big speed. where you're from or no? Speed. It was a speed. I, I love to go fast. I do whether whatever I'm running or I'm I'm on any anything I can go fast I love going fast so with roller hockey I could fly and I love to fly with the puck so I picked it up and I would just wheel and wheel and wheel so anytime I can go fast man I'm I'm all for it. What's that move, Ricky Bobby? Yeah, yeah Ricky just want to go Bobby. fast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but I don't know. I don't know if I would jeopardize my life in a NASCAR or an Indy car just for a couple of hot laps going fast. I don't know if I would do that though. It is ridiculous. Yeah. Hey guys, I want to introduce you to a new company called Nord VPN that allows you to watch things from all over the world and also has an unbelievable security feature for you too. If you're bored of US Netflix, why not take it for a spin in the UK? Using Nord VPN and a click of a button, you can do just that. There's no need to travel to Japan for your favorite anime when NordVPN can also bring it right to you. With over 5,000 plus server options, no show is out of your reach. Using our show's link at nordvpn.com slash think tank, you can receive a huge discount on a two-year plan plus one free month. NordVPN also has unbelievable security features that can help protect you, and they've doubled down on keeping you safe with their new threat protection feature. Say goodbye to intrusive website ads and malware. Even if you download an infected file, threat protection kicks in and deletes it before it makes a mess of your computer. Don't forget, there is literally no risk to you with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Give it a try, and if you like, great. If not, they'll issue you a refund and you can pretend the entire situation never happened. Check out my link again at nordvpn.com slash think tank to get your subscription started today. Again, that's nordvpn.com slash think tank. He's like, uh, 
the way he's dressed, he's got a little swag to him. So he's a little like undercover gangster to him. But he's like a like a gangster nerd. He's cool. He's awesome. I fucking love <laughs> a gangster nerd. That's gonna go yeah, on his business awesome, card now. <laughs> he's awesome. So I can I like the whole vibe he gives off. And what I loved about him the most is number one, he always had my back. Wrong or right, he always had my back, no matter what. That's what I love. Number one. Number two. When I was stuck in decisions that I had to make, he would never give me the answer. He would never tell me to do things. He would give his opinion, but he would never say go left and he would never say go right. He would always be in the middle. And that forced me to, to take in what he said to me. I chewed it up. I absorbed it. I swallowed it. And then I let my gut guide me to the right answer. And that's what I love about him the most is that he never gave me the answers. I had to find my own, my own answers with his influence. Um, and that those three things about that agent, Todd Reynolds is why I love him. And I'll always love him um, for those three specific things. And he's a great family man. His morals are in line. Um, and he's a hustler. He, he, he's a no nonsense. There's no gray areas. He's a yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, this is right. No, this is wrong kind of guy. But for me, he never gave me the answers. And that's what I love about him. He made me, he helped me become the man I am today. That's awesome. And it's so great to hear stories like that, you know, because the, the agent business is often looked at in a, in a pretty negative light, but there are, there are people out there that really, truly care and really want what's best for the people and work really hard for the people that um, they're working for. And so, yeah, just before here, uh, it's when we met, which you would, we talked about, you would never know, but you were injured. You were playing in Philly at the time. And, mm-hmm. uh, and Todd was there. We were there to see Colin Greening, who was playing in Ottawa, uh, who's a former teammate of mine. And so, um, yeah, just really, really cool to be able to share that story. And, um, you know, moving on to like, you know, your, your career and well, I want to know like what a high moment was for you. Um, got a chance to play in some amazing barns on some really good teams. Um, you played a, a long time in pro hockey and specifically the years in the NHL that you were there. So I'm wondering what, like one of the biggest highs was for you. What was something that you can look back on and, and just say, Hey, you know what? I'm really freaking proud of this thing that I did. Um, well, Philly was my favorite team since I was eight years old. So getting drafted to the Philadelphia Flyers was literally a dream come true. Um, So that alone, you know, that alone makes my life. Um, But after, I think, my first year, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was after my first full season in Philly, I was given the uh, Gene Hart Memorial Trophy. And that trophy is voted by the fans. And the fans vote who they thought played with the most heart every single game. And I was honored to accept that award from the fans. And that to me um, is the, like, that for me is, the, that's it. That's what I pride myself on. I pride myself on my heart and the way I carry myself on and off the ice. I lead with my heart. So when I'm recognized for that work ethic from my heart, I know I'm doing something right. I know I'm on the right path. So I know I played in so many other teams with so many beautiful players and 
great organizations and great GMs and stuff, but nothing touched my heart the way Philly touched my heart. So playing for Philly and getting that an award, um, that um, I would have been happy to pack it in right then and there. That's really cool. I always felt like the fan favorite award was uh, a, a lot more significant in in like a deeper sense than what most people would think in terms of like you know fan favor or somebody who like chums it up with the crowd or whatever. But a lot of times it's just a heart and soul guy. You know, it's That's somebody right. that does the little things, somebody that maybe doesn't end up on the scoreboard all the time, but really just like gives it their all. And especially freaking a town like Philly. <laughs> You right. mean it's right up there, Ali. Yeah, type I of think like, too. It's not with with Philly. It's not just on ice. You they you have to connect with them off the ice, and they have to connect with you off the ice. And to for them seeing how crazy I was on the ice, but then being the total opposite to the fans and relating to the fans on such a personal level off the ice at like autograph signings and like team bonding stuff and like just being able to community where they can come up to me up to me and approach me just like an everyday human being and I let that happen I I embraced that I wanted them to do that I think that's what also influenced me to to stick around as long as I did there and to receive that award so um they saw the best of me on and off the ice That's awesome man that's really really cool really really cool and uh you know moving along you know, you go through your career, you got the chance to spend a couple of years in Philly. And and we had mentioned this a little bit earlier and you had talked about just uh, bouncing around to different places and stuff and, and how difficult that could be being in different locker rooms and everything. Um, like that's pro hockey, you know, and pro hockey is not this um, glamorous, glorious lifestyle that a lot of people kind of like, think that it is granted there's charter flights and there's definitely some perks to, to playing in the NHL and things are pretty cool. But at the end of the day, like it is an absolute mental and physical grind that you have to earn every single day, especially in a position like yourself, um, you know, where you are fighting for a job every day and it's kill or be killed and stuff like that. So um, just looking back on the, 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 the fight for your job and looking back on just having to earn it all the time, especially in the way that you played and having to earn it that way, you know, now that, now that you're kind of sitting back and, and now you're coaching now, what do you kind of think about reflecting about your career and that grind? Like, what are the thoughts that come to your head? What are the things that make you proud? What are the things that maybe made you pissed? Like just thinking back about the lifestyle and and everything that you endured in the good and the bad, like what, what are some things that really stick out for you? That I have no regrets. None. I Love played that. every single shift. Like it was going to be my last. And I never thought that I was fighting for a spot. I never thought, I never think like that because the way my father ingrained the hard work into my brain, that was just all I knew. And like I said, I have no regrets and I'll do it all over again tomorrow. I'll start from the ground up. I got, I got all, all of this out of the mud. I was never supposed to be who I am. Um, so like I said, I have no regrets. I did everything like it was going to be my last. I led with my heart. I led with my gut. Um, and I left it all out there every single night, every single practice. I was the first one there. I was one of the last guys out. Um, just because I love doing it. And people ask me what I miss the most about playing. A lot of people do. 
And I, 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 I tell them I miss working hard. I miss depleting, like depleting all of my heart and soul's energy every single day to where I can't even think. And I've been through skates where I'm suspended or I've been hurt or I'm not playing. And I feel like I've shaved lives off of my, off of, I've shaved years off of my life because I worked that hard and I miss doing that. But to be honest with you, I have no regrets and I have no bad takeaways from it. It's all positive takeaways from my whole career. Um, no regrets, man. None. I think that's something so important for a lot, a lot of parents to hear that listen to us and, and coaches and obviously the players, but I had a junior, a junior clients, uh, moms, kids playing juniors and he's having a tough time. You know, he's, he's had a couple injuries he's battling and stuff like that. And his mom told me he's contemplating, you know, maybe giving up if he gets dropped from another team. And I said, you know, I totally get it. I totally get it. For me, the hardest jump in my career was midgets to juniors, not juniors to college, college to pro, anything like that. It was midgets to juniors because you're going from a boy's game to a man's mm-hmm. game, and you're going to go through all these trials and tribulations. Right. But if he gives up right now and he doesn't like give everything he has, he's going to regret it for the rest of his life. I've seen it with literally hundreds of players in St. Louis because I've been go- coming back since I was 17, helping you know the guys after me. Hundreds of players I have seen, you know, just oh, I'm not going to take that year, that gap year off of school. I'm just going to go to school. And then I see them when they're 25 in a men's league. And literally all they can talk about is I wish I would have tried juniors. I wish I would have played that extra year. I wish I would have given it everything I have. And to everyone listening, the goal should obviously everybody's goal is to play pro hockey, make money, live in the playing yet, all that stuff. Right. But if you, maximize your potential. If you give everything you have, you know, we got three all retired players here that played pro all at different levels, you know, all reach different levels, all at different levels of success and all different levels that we played in. But I think the three, all three of us would say that we gave everything we had and, and I can look back and be happy with that. I was able to get the most out of my body. I could Tof, different level than me, the same, you a higher level than both of us, the same. And whether that is at peewees or midgets or juniors or college or pro, it's my goal to help players do that. So they never have regrets because you saying that, like, it's, it's just everything I've seen so many guys and they wind up hitting the bottle so hard because they're so, it's and it's because of hockey because they didn't give everything they had to it and they like can't live with themselves. It's mm-hmm. wild, man. I think it's so important for people to learn how to give everything they have so that they don't live with regret. Yeah, and the saddest thing in life is wasted talent. Agreed. Saddest Agreed. thing in life is wasted talent. Uh, yeah, and. There is nothing more frustrating as a coach than a talented person that doesn't care. (laughs) And there's nothing more frustrating to someone like you, Zach, and and Vex, especially in the roles that you played to, you know, (laughs) just imagine if you had that talent, what you would do with how bad you want it (laughs) and, uh, and maximizing it. And, and uh, yeah, it's, it's absolutely like just infuriating, infuriating, but you know what? Like sometimes people just don't like it. Sometimes they just don't want to do it and that's okay too. Cause that yeah, opens that's the no door. Problem. I have no problem with that. Yeah. No problem. It's all good. If you don't want to do it, that's fine. 
I have no problem <laughs> with it, man. Just go do something else. Don't waste your time. Yeah. But if you do want it, <laughs> give everything you can so you don't live with regrets. I hate then, seeing those faces. <laughs> hey, Max, give it everything you got. Everything you got. Just give it the pay. I asked Instagram um, before we came on earlier today. Hey, if you got questions for Zach, ask. So let me just fire these off real quick. Is that good? Cool. Yeah. All right. Um, plan on playing pro again. No, they couldn't handle me. <laughs> uh, I'm guessing this question is about a pro coach because uh, we know you're coaching youth. Would you consider coaching after retirement? 100%. I'm, I'm, I've fallen in love with coaching. Badass. Uh, did you always see yourself as a protector or did you envision more offensive style coming up? Um, I never saw myself as a protector. Um, I had to fight because of my hits. If I, if I hit someone, let's go. Whoever's willing to, to fight me, let's do it. Um, but if I loved you as a teammate, I'll protect you every single day. Did you uh, take any like boxing or jujitsu or anything, or you just, you just did it? Yeah, I just like my, it was my mindset, man. It was kill or be killed. No, I had no technique, no nothing. Just throw. <laughs> I was watching a bunch of your fights today and it reminded me a lot of Jared Bull. Do you ever fight Bull or you I know Jared Bull? Yeah. I yeah his, like I ripped his jersey, but I didn't rip his jersey. I grabbed him and I ripped his jersey. I'm like, oh shit. And I had nothing to hold on to. And he it was <laughs> holding on to me. I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> and he yeah. he threw haymaker bombs yeah. the same as you too. From heaven, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> great guy. And he's another guy who did everything he could to make the NHL. Yeah. Like good Chicago sure. guy. Yeah, I respect I respect that guy so much. Uh, uh, would you come back to Philly and play for Torts? I'll go tomorrow. <laughs> Philly is the only only the only organization I would ever go to, especially Torts. I would always love, I want to play for Torts bad. Would be awesome. Toughest fighter you ever fought? Um, two two. I think two two throw the hard through the hardest. That's awesome. Two two throw the hard. The last one, you know, we talked about your playing career and coming to an end and your coaching now. Uh, was it hard not getting the shot and not being signed by an NHL team? Um, it was not hard not getting the shot. Um, and I was on an NHL deal last year. So not hard not getting the shot. Definitely not hard, not hard at all. And uh, number two, I was signed to Columbus. I just wasn't allowed to camp. So I was it was, it was you and Gerby too, right? Yeah. 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 When I talked to Gerby, he's going to come on too. And, and uh, Bertuzzi too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's right. I messaged him yeah. too. Yeah. That's, See, if, uh, I was in a, if I was in a different organization, the rules might've been different. I might've been able to play just like Bertuzzi. Bertuzzi played all year long and he just didn't go to Canada. Hilarious. Different all organizations, right. different rules. What a Unfortunately. world! What a world! What a world! Is that yeah. is that is that hard for you finishing like in that way? Um. Yes and no. Yes and no. At the same time, it's yes because I have like so much more to give. I'm still so young, and genetically, how I'm built, um, I'm healthy. I'm not injured. Everything moves. I'm good shape. I'm not broken. I'm. I can get in there five, six years out of my body for sure. Um, 
But at the same time, those are my morals that I stood on. My kids, you know, since birth and not nothing like that. So it comes down to hockey's just a game and life is life is life. And I'm trying to set an example for the next generation of the population. So I stood on my morals and I back my morals and I'm going to stand on them forever. Respect it, man. Absolutely respect it. I can't imagine how hard that decision was to make too. Like, um, honestly, not, bro, not, so, no, I know, I know not that one, but like, it was easy for me. I mean, it not, was. not necessarily like coming down to, will you take it or will you no. not? But like, just like, dude, this is how it ends. Like I grinded my ass off. For yeah. so long, I got punched in the face repeatedly yeah. for years. Yeah. And this, this weak ass, like, yeah. this is why? Like, come on. No. And now it's not even a thing anymore, right? Now it's not even a thing, which is I hilarious. Know. That's what, but you know what? I honestly, I do believe that I was, if I was still playing, I, like my last year or two, I was walking on eggshells every fucking time I was on the ice. If I hit, someone the wrong way even if it wasn't the wrong way but the league thought it was the wrong way and i lose two hundred thousand. i'm suspended i'm all over the media is the criminal is the bad guy i was sick of that i'm i'm happy that's not what's going on in my life like that was stressful as shit um but obviously i miss everything else that comes along with hockey but the whole labeling me as this goon trying to hurt people nah it's not me i'm happy i'm out of that (laughs) That's cool. Well, That's you had cool. you had quite a run, man, and uh, what a what a career, what a career chance <laughs> to live your childhood dream, and yeah. you know that's uh, that's something that you know a lot of us can only dream of and and work towards, and you got that the chance to actually live it, and yeah, uh, now I want to give it back. I, I think I did all this just to come home and give it back, and that's what I want to do. I want to give it all back. I want to give. I want to give all the game away for free. Take it from me, please, and, and do better than I did because I never had anybody tell me anything. I had to find it out the hard way. I did everything on my own. So I'm trying to be the person who, I'm, who I wish I had growing up because I had nobody. So I hope everyone listening listens and, and honestly takes, takes, this with the, takes this to heart because it's, it's, uh, it's what it is. It's real. It's raw. And uh, I'm here now. I'll give everything back. I think we're going to be setting up bunk beds and doing karate in the garage, man. Cause I think that's my speech word for word, bro. Like yeah. really word for word. That is what I say to everyone in St. Louis. Like I same. And I know like dude, Tope started done so much in the hockey world to give back. It is lit. This guy, he's raised a million dollars. Like this guy is insane. It's it, unbelievable. And, I love when guys who made it to the highest levels of hockey, like want to do that, especially, you know, Tof had really good coaching growing up and I, I had good coaching, but there was nobody in my town that was like, that I could look to that had, had made it to like, like, I didn't even know, like, I knew like two guys who made the juniors, you know, and right. college hockey. I knew one guy and that was only cause he skated with us three times. Now he's a coach in the AHL, maybe the NHL. And I still like think about him all the time. And I'm like, that guy is the reason I do what I do now. Yeah. Cause he came to three practices and I got to ask him questions that made me better. And I was like, Oh, that was cool. And I just yeah. want to do that now. So getting into that, who are you coaching? Where are you coaching? And I know you, you have a, an off ice training company as well. Mm-hmm. Talk about that stuff. Um, I'm coaching the 09 Toronto Red Wings. I'm assistant coach. Um, but so you're the buddy. Uh, are you the ba- Are you the good cop? 
Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm their I'm their I'm their homie. I'm their I'm their brother. You know, that's me too. Tof, Tof's, to Tof's bad cop. Tof, he's not bad no, cop, but he's no, a, no, he's not no. bad cop, but he's totally head coach. I am yeah. totally just yeah. like, I'm the boy. Like, Oh, coach yelled you. Hey man, get over here, buddy. Come I'm here. director of yeah. hockey operations right now. Yeah. I, I'm at like, if, if, you know, <laughs> definitely not your head coach cop. in your coaching <laughs> life. You know, I, uh, if I had a choice, like somebody's like, you could have any team anywhere, NHL division one, whatever it is, midgets. You want to be a head coach or assistant coach? Make a dude assistant coach. Ten out yeah. of ten for me. That's yeah, just. I, I do want to try the head coaching thing because I think with my philosophy and my approach that I am going to have, where I think I can have a good balance. I think I can have a good balance of keeping that buddy buddy system. But it's it's funny because like in the room I'm buddy buddy, but then you hit me on the ice, different person. And how, how are you on the bench behind, behind the bench during a game? How's that? I'm, I'm a confident builder. I build people up. I'm not going to put you down. I'm going to correct you. I'm going to teach you, but I'm going to build you up the whole time. And if the ref gives my guy a penalty for no reason, I'm, I'm on the ref's ass. <laughs> <That's man. laughs> I'm on the ref's ass. That's what I was asking. Oh, it was <laughs> really hard for me. I had to like, sometimes I like bite my, my jacket. Cause you know, yeah. like I, my dad was a ref and I, I, I don't want the boys. Like I want the boys playing intense, but I don't want them yelling at the ref. I want them to respect the game. And no, uh, that's my job. yeah, but there, there that's was one time bad. though. Who was it? Who did I tell you? It was, uh, David Clarkson, David Clarkson thought me and him were going to tilt between the benches. Cause we're just yelling at each other back and forth, <laughs> nonstop. And it was hilarious, but you know, I, I could see you getting intense behind the bench. I love it. Yeah, no, I'm I'm a call. I'm just I build confidence, man. I think that's what these kids need these days, especially in society. Um, if you if we lose, obviously, you know, there's a lot of correcting. But the one thing that really will really has bothered me is when people play scared. Can't play scared. That really that really hurts my soul. That really hurts my heart. Don't play scared. That's one thing. It's just the first year in contact, so I kind of get it. Um, but don't play scared on my bench. Please don't. That's the only thing. You can make mistakes everywhere. Just do not play scared. Don't hide behind other players, and don't uh, don't shy away from the rough stuff, please. I'm not talking about killing people. I'm talking like going to the corner. Going, going to the corner knowing someone else is going to the corner too. Don't let him get the puck because you're scared. That's all. Love that. My grandma's going to listen to this. What's up, grandma? She used to say to me what's when up, I was grandma? a kid, what's up, grandma? Zach says, what's up? Uh, because I was a skinny kid and I was like, well, you know, before I got yoked, the, the diesel God that you see in front of you, <laughs> like I was, I was, uh, I was like a skinny little weak kid. And she'd always say to me whenever she, she let me out of the car, um, whenever she'd come in town, she'd be like, whose damn puck is it, Jeffrey? And I had to say back to her, it's my damn puck. It was like the only time I could cuss. <laughs> and so I'd every get, dude, I played the AHL. She'd come to watch me and she'd send me a text for the game or call me. Whose damn puck is it? I'm like, it's my damn puck. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. That's the mindset you gotta have is my, as I tell kids all the time, I said, there's a 50, 50 puck. That's your puck. That's no one yeah. else's puck. That's your, I said, your puck. You have to know it's already your puck before you even get there. Uh, I quick, quick little thing about, you know, being skinny and shit. Um, my second year in camp, I didn't make it the first year in this Philly camp. But I didn't make it the first year. So my dad was like, hey, I'm like 165, 180 around there. My dad's like, hey, you're going to go to camp and you're going to fight everybody. I'm like, cool, let's do it. So 
I gained almost 30 pounds on the off season, bro. How were you slow on the ice when you came back? Were you tired? I was terrible. <laughs> I didn't do testing. I stopped halfway through the running. I was terrible. So they sent me down. I was, through, I was 210 from oh, 180. That's a big jump. That's well, a this big jump. Like over two months. This over two months. Right. So I was, fat. You, I was like 20. What were you eating? What were you eating? Uh, I was drinking. I was shaking like nonstop masking or shakes. Yep. Yeah. And pasta and whatever, Italian, whatever. And um, they sent me down to the minors. They said, Zach, lose your 30 pounds and then we'll call you up. So I ran, I had to be at the rink at like 6 a.m. I had to do workout, then I had to do practice, and then I had to run the stairs every single day until I lost my 30 pounds. I lost my 30 pounds. They called me up and never looked back since. Wow. That's so dope. Right? That's dope. Hard, That's dope. For, for the coaches listening to this, I had this conversation with uh, one of my parents that I was training today, whose kid plays division one. He's a freshman and parents, when, when older coaches or scouts, when they say to your son, Hey, he needs to get bigger. He needs to gain weight. They don't know how to articulate what they're saying. What they're saying is he needs to get stronger. stronger. And you don't need, like, he, Zach here could have gotten way stronger by putting on eight pounds, you know, and if he has body fat, was if his body fat was at 14, he could have brought his body fat down and added more. So it'd be even more than eight pounds actually. But what yep. they mean is, yeah, they want you a little bit bigger, but they want you stronger, faster, more powerful. They don't mean you need to gain 30 pounds. And so, you know, I say that all the time to parents with players because of what just he just said happened. You gain 30 pounds in the summer, you get on the ice, and dude, think about adding a 30 pound dumbbell over a couple months and skating around with it. You're gonna your, your cardiovascular system cannot keep up, so it's yeah. got to be put on in a little bit of a smarter way. Yeah, I didn't work out like I didn't start working out until like 21, 22, like sports specifically. So it was literally just fat. Wow, that's wild, yeah. dude. That's yeah, that's crazy. Nuts. <laughs> you, know, you know, Riley Cote, right? Riley Cote. Yeah. He was my assistant coach that year. I was, I had to lose the weight and stuff. So he took me to Whole Foods. He introduced me to this, what they call organic section. So he really dialed me in. Like I, I bought a dog and I bought a dog. So like it got me up in the morning. I was cooking eggs. And I got to the rink. I was, you know, on my shit at the rink. And, and he, uh, he really changed my whole perception of what eating and taking care of your body is so my hat's off to riley cote what up rouse that's awesome let Very food cool. be thy medicine and thy medicine be thy food hypocrisy yeah What's up? it was yeah he invited me over for dinner and everything like that it was it was uh it was uh, a lot of learning that's cool that's awesome cool i know stuff. clacker liked him too Still. All right, Zach. Well, thanks so much for uh, taking some time to, to hop on here. This was an awesome conversation. And uh, um, yeah, like I said earlier, like what a career. Um, congratulations on a great career. And and I can imagine, I just, I can hear it in your voice. The passion that you have for coaching these young kids nowadays too is mm -hmm. uh, is rekindling your love for the game. And uh, that's yeah, what is. we can all hope for, man. So uh, best of luck moving forward with the little guys. And uh, it was really, really cool having you on here. Thanks so much. Thanks for your time, guys. I really had a good time, too. So uh, good luck with this in the future, guys. Take care.